0: good morning it's nine o'clock and I want to get started um, it, it's it's uh, exciting to me um, you guys m- most of you were in here last Sunday school rotation and a lot of the stuff we talked about was pretty heavy stuff right and uh, figuring out how to live life and some of the difficulties of life was a very a very good but a very taxing study. Um, and I'm going to tell you, this study in Psalms is gone the completely other direction. Such an encouragement. Um, the more I read, the more I want to say to, to, to share with you guys the things that I'm learning. And we may not get to 139 today. Uh, we're supposed to do 121, 127, and 139. We may not get to 139 today. And if we don't, I'm not skipping it. We're going to go to it next week. So don't be uh, discouraged if you read through 139 this week and you're like, there's so much here. There's a lot in 139, and we're not going to skip it. Um, So be encouraged. This is exciting stuff. And hopefully through this whole study of the Psalms, if it does one thing for you, I hope it does one thing. And that is open your eyes to who God is. Um, so um, I, I do have the recording started. Pam would be sitting there and saying, did you start the recording? Yes, I have got it started. Um, so a couple of announcements, and then we'll pray and get started. Um, the turkey trip, uh, the, it's not set in stone. Uh, John and Gil have both said that there's two possible weeks, one the end of June and one the 1st of July. And it depends on the number of people we're taking, which, which week we go. So if you're interested in going to Turkey this year, please see Gil, um, as soon as you can. Um, and talking to Scott, in the last couple of minutes, um, Sam Kirkley, um, is, is fighting and, um, just be praying for Sam, um, uh, praying, praying for, um, faith and comfort during this time, pray for the family, uh, as they do everything they can to minister to him, um, because things are hard. So let's pray. Father, as you say in Psalm 127 that God gives sleep to his beloved, um, Father, we pray for Sam. We pray that if it's your will to take him, Lord, that, that you would give him faith and comfort and the family, faith and comfort to know that you his savior his creator will have your hand on him and to bring him home and father if you choose to heal great be your glory and praise lord um, because you are the great physician but lord through whichever path you walk him through lord i pray for faith that you will continue to make his faith strong and make the faith of his family strong because it's times like this that test our faith. Father, help us to see you today as we work through two of these chapters in Psalms and, and remembering that these Psalms always point us to Christ. Help us to see you today and see you clearer than we have ever seen you before. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start in 121 today. And um, I'm going to read through the chapter, and we're going to talk about some history first to kind of set the stage. We'll do the same thing with 127. And then I just want to, just like I said last week, I just want to meditate our way through the chapter. Okay, and I'm going to bring some things to your to your mind. I'm going to point to specific other areas of Scripture because we talked about how as believers with the full canon now and not just the Torah, which is what the psalmists had. um, We have a fuller understanding of Christ's role um, in our lives. So uh, Psalm 121. My help comes from Yahweh, a song of ascents. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains from where shall my help come? My help comes from Yahweh who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to stumble. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who who keeps Israel will not slumber and will not sleep. Yahweh is your keeper. Yahweh is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Yahweh will keep you from all evil. He will keep your soul. Yahweh will keep your going out and your coming in from now until forever. So we have to talk about a couple of things. Who's the psalmist here? We don't know for sure. The psalmist is not mentioned. The writing is similar to that of David's. So we could think of it being David, but it's not that important for this psalm. It's called a song of ascent. What does that mean? Well, for history, Psalm 120 to 136 is called the Great Hallel. And what that means is when the Israelites would travel to Jerusalem, this was their songbook that they sang on the way. So as you move from chapters 120 to chapters 136, you see the progression from faraway lands in 120 as they travel towards the temple, towards Jerusalem, before the, towards the Mount of God. So that's the most of Israel is lower than where Jerusalem is on a plateau. So as you approach Israel, you're going up. You can see the Mount in front of you. you. You're going up to it. Three times a year, Israel would travel to Jerusalem. Uh, the, unleavened, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, uh, what, we, uh, what we today celebrate as Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. These are the three times of the year that they would travel up to Jerusalem. That's going to be important because when we jump to 127, we're going to come back to that. So, 120, 121, now the phrase is, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains from where does my help come from? Now, if you've, if you've uh, been and watched movies, uh, what is it, the sound of music? That's a, that's a famous verse in this, that they quote in the sound of music. However, they get it wrong. The mountains isn't where your help comes from. But this is the point as you travel up, as you're looking towards the Mount of God, what you should be seeing, you can actually see the Temple Mount as you walk. Where does my help come from? Verse two, my help comes from Yahweh, the covenant keeping name. Remember last week, the (laughs) covenant keeping name of God. And this is interesting. As we move through this psalm, he talks about God in four different ways. This first one is, my help comes from Yahweh. He is our helper. He, he helps us as we go. Who made heaven and earth. You should be thinking, come from last week, Psalm 119. The heavens declare the glory of God. So he is the maker. Do you understand who Yahweh is? Do you truly understand? And then we get from there into verse three. He will not allow your foot to stumble. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will not slumber and will not sleep. He is our helper, he is our keeper think of the fact that he's got his hands around you. Who's Jesus's phrase in the, in the gospels, if if you are in my hand, nobody can take you out of my hand because you're in the father's hand. So think of this as he, you are he is your keeper. Once he has you, he has you. But think of it this way, he will not allow your foot to stumble. He will not allow your foot to stumble. So, if you depend on yourself, what can you guarantee? That you're going to stumble. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will not slumber nor sleep. So, think of it this way we have to sleep. And if you go without it for any amount of time, it affects the way you think, it affects your attitude, it affects the way you act. You can't keep yourself. You have to remember that you are incapable of surviving and taking care of everything that needs to be taken care of every day, of every week, of every year, of your entire life. But Yahweh, who is your keeper, never sleeps. And, and we jumped right here to verse 5. Yahweh is your keeper. Yahweh is your shade of your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Okay, so he's our, he's our helper. He's our keeper. He's our protector. Now, does this mean that it says, Yahweh will keep you from all evil. Nothing bad will ever happen to me. Because Yahweh is my keeper. If you've lived for more than 30 seconds, you know that's not true. Right? Um, But what does that mean? It means we are never promised freedom from pain or temptation or suffering. But we are promised that he will sustain us through it. He will keep you from evil. Doesn't mean he's keeping you from experiencing it. It means he's keeping you from committing evil. He will keep your soul. Now, this is interesting. If you look at chapter 21, verse 3, he who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 4, he who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. Verse 7, Yahweh will keep you from all evil. Yahweh will keep your soul, verse 7, verse 8, Yahweh will keep your going in and your going out. Are you seeing the point of the psalmist? As they traveled up to the mountain, there were robbers that would rob you on the way. Yahweh is your keeper. He is your protector. Through the paths of life that you live, Yahweh is the one who guides you, who protects you, who keeps you safe even when you walk through the valley of shadow of death. So, this, this should make you think, Psalm 8, 4, Psalm 144, 3, Hebrews 2, 6, what is man that you would remember him and that the son of man that you would care for him? If this great God that we talked about in Psalm 19 last week, who created everything, And whose word is sure and whose word is right. And he chooses to keep me. This lowly worm on this planet, uh, insignificant life. What does that make you think of God? What does that make you think of yourself? And this is the, the last piece From now until forevermore. And there's only one way that can happen. Christ is the crimson thread through the Psalms. Without Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, there can be no forevermore. Now, how unbelieving and nasty are we, am I? to have to be reminded so many times that God is my keeper. The the day in, the day out of difficulties at work, difficulties with family, difficulties with people that are in your house, difficulties with people that are in the community, to remember that that's not what's important. That through all of that mess, that God is your keeper. He keeps your soul. He keeps your going out and your coming in. He is your preserver. Turn to 127. So, think of it from this perspective. We, we had a big picture here. Psalm 19 The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows his handiwork. Big picture, right? Psalm 121. We're walking to the temple. We look to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from Yahweh. Now we're narrowing our view. It's no longer the heavens and the earth. It's the path that we're on. How does it narrow even more? Look at 127. Unless Yahweh builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless Yahweh watches the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and that you sit out late and that you eat the bread of painful labors. For in this manner, he gives sleep to the beloved. Behold, children are an inheritance of Yahweh. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with the enemies in the gate. So big picture, heaven and earth. We're moving to the mountain. We've narrowed it down. And now we're talking about the house. Now we're talking about the house. Unless Yahweh builds the house. Now, did anybody go just curious you're reading verse 1 and verse 2 talking about building a house watching the city working hard getting up early going out late and then it switches the children and go what is he doing <coughs> can i make that connection for you yahweh builds the house the hebrew word for build it is the root word for house The Hebrew word for build is the root word for son and daughter. So if Yahweh builds the house, uh, behold, children are an inheritance of Yahweh. He gives the house, He gives the children. These are the work that He does. Now, does that mean that we don't build? Because that's what it says, right? Uh, Yahweh builds the house, we labor in vain who build it. It means we don't build, right? No. No. It means that if you build without Yahweh, the work you're doing is in vain. Psalm 14.1 the fool says in his heart, There is no God. Do you sleep, work, and wake and eat like you're an atheist? I, this was a hard question for me this week. Because I go through my week and I deal with the difficulties that I deal with on a day to day basis. And sometimes I go, Oh, yeah, there's God after it's all said and done. <clears throat> Do you live as a wicked fool? Do you live your life as if God didn't exist? We have to ask ourselves the question. And we have to be honest in our response. All too often, we sleep and wake and work like we Are atheists. We don't believe that God is there. And if that's how you live your life, your house will fall and your children will fail you. Unless Yahweh builds the house, you labor in vain who build it. Unless Yahweh watches the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Ezekiel 3.17 says, Son of man, I have given you as a watchman to the house of Israel so that you will hear a word from my mouth and you shall warn them from me. Isn't that the role that Christ played? What was his name? Son of man. Ezekiel is speaking forward to what Christ was going to do for us. And it's only in what Christ does for us that we can build our house. We have to not lose sight of the fact that when you're raising your children, when you're building your house and you're doing your work morning, noon and night, that Yahweh is the one who gives you the building. Yahweh is the one who gives you your children. And if he's giving you these things, and we've already talked about his greatness and his glory If he's giving you these things, you should be treating these things as if they are gifts from God to you. Your work. You've heard me say this before. Work came before the fall. Genesis 1 and 2. Not after the fall. Your work is a gift from God. Do you do your work? Greg, do you do your work as if it's a gift from God? Your children are a gift from God. Do you raise them in such a way that they know that they are God's gift to you? We have to depend on God for what's going on at home as well as what's going on at work. That's where it jumps in verse 3. Behold, children are an inheritance of Yahweh. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, this is interesting, and I may catch some flack on this, and if so be it, because this is what I'm reading this to say. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. And listen to my explanation before you shoot me, okay? Um, we should be encouraging our young men and our young women to get married and have children as soon as they can. And I hear the arguments from our society. Well, you need to wait. You need to wait till you're more financially stable. Have you looked at our economy? It ain't going to happen. But there was a phrase that I read this week and when reading, uh, studying on this verse. And it says, uh, it was one of the, the Puritans that said this. Whenever God gives you mouths, God gives you meat. But what's the point of having children when you're young? Okay. Well, I could go into all the <clears throat> my reasons why I think that's good and why I think that's important. Let's look at this. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Ladies and gentlemen, we get into 139. We're going to talk about war. And the fact that we are in a war and we have a role to play in that war. And Solomon, who wrote 127, is setting us up for that. Your children are your weapon against the evil kingdom. There are only two kingdoms in this world, God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And as Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. Your children are your weapon. Well, if God has given you these children and you because he's God and, and, and he, you want to give him glory as as one of his children would. You want to set these children up in such a way that they're going to fight for him. They're going to give him glory in everything that they do. And we all know that when you have a quiver full of arrows, some of them just don't fly straight. So sometimes, and it says, how blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them? I'm not going to go into all the beliefs on how many are in a quiver. Okay, that's not, not the point. The point is this. You should have children. You should train your children as marching soldiers in the army of God. Which means sometimes you have to, just like God does to us, you have to discipline them into what God sees as most important. No, no, son, I'm sorry. You can't play that game right now. Yes, it's fun. Yes, it's it's there's nothing technically wrong with it. But we need to do this because this brings God glory. We need to be practical in how we train our children. Why? Now catch the switch here. So are the children of one's use. How blessed is the man verse five, who fills his quiver with them You see the switch? Talking about the man, talking about them. Now look at verse seven. Sorry, verse six. Maybe it's five. I can't see I've written over the top of it. Um, they will not be ashamed. He's not talking about the man anymore. He's talking about the children. When they speak with their enemies in the gate. If we go back to the history of this, where, where conflicts happen between families, between people, was in the gate of the city. And it's not the father who goes to defend his honor. It's the children who are going to be defending the father's honor. Just like we are defending the honor of the Father. Your family that God has given you has a purpose. It's a picture of what you're supposed to be doing for God. If you don't train your children to fight well, they will abandon the Father. When they speak with the enemies in the gate. So uh, some of us, and I'm this way, I'm I'm the fixer. Pam will tell you, tell me what's wrong so I can fix it. I'll deal with that person. Let me take care of it. Okay? But you know what? It's not my job to do it. It's my job to prepare my children for that battle. Because I'm going to be honest... The things that I see coming, and if some of you, we've had this conversation, the things that we see coming in our country, I'm probably going to be dead before my children have to deal with that. But it's my job to train my children to be able to deal with that. It's my job to remind my children that Yahweh is their inheritance. Do you trust Yahweh? Do you trust Yahweh? I'm going to give you the first two verses of 139 and I'm going to stop because we're going to do 139 next week. Do you trust Yahweh? Do you trust that He can build your house better than you can? Do you trust that He, in giving you those children, knows what He's doing by giving you those children? Verse 1 and 2. O Yahweh. You have searched me and known me. Past. Not present. Past. He's already done it. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. So we went from the heavens are declaring the glory of God to the mountain, to our house and our children. And now he's focused on you. Because if your house is going to be right and your children are going to be right, you have to be right. So let me ask you some questions to think about before we go to next week. Yahweh has searched you and known you. He has searched me and known me. He knows when I sit down and when I rise up. He understands my thoughts from afar. So think of it from this perspective. How do you carry yourself? God sees it. How do you act? How do you think? Some of us are really good at acting good, but thinking wrong. You understand my thoughts from afar. How do you dress? I see you're rising up and you're sitting down. All of these things God sees. He knows your every move. He knows your every thought. That thing that you do in the dark when no one is watching, he sees it. That thought you have in your heart that you've never ever told anyone else, he knows it. I, let me go to verse 3 because this is the, the, the piece on this. You, and your verse may sound something different, you scrutinize my path and my lying down. And get this, you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. He has already scrutinized you. He knows the depths of your heart. He knows the thoughts that are in your mind. And we're going to see next week as we go through the song, his thoughts on that. Read through Psalm 139 this week. Remember that he knows your every move. He knows your every thought, no matter how far away you think he is. And remember who he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Psalm 121. 127-139 127-139 Father you, you have said that your word is true you have said there is no error in any of your words Father you know how often how often we act like we don't really believe you're there Father, help us to understand who you are. Help us to live our Monday and our Wednesday and our Thursday nights with the reminder that you know our thoughts, you know our actions, you know our heart. Keep us focused that our great creator and our savior and our king even after creating the entire universe wants to know us so intimately help us to scrutinize ourselves with the same eyes that you scrutinize us give us honest hearts And honest thoughts to say, yes, I have lived as if you don't exist. Forgive me for that. And then to live as one who knows that your eyes are always on us. In Jesus name.